very good day to all of you listeners out there. Today we have a very special episode, a sports roundtable. And I've decided to invite my friends, Simon Poont, David Kumar, Mark Lee. So we are all fans of sports. And you know, in the last few episodes, we've been talking about how there is a grassroots movement. There is the voice from the ordinary Malaysians. And I think today we have the sports fans. They are here, able to share their passions. But you know, this is also a podcast about government, about politics. So we want to discuss all things related to sports and podcasts. So welcome all of you here today. And maybe we can just start off to break off the ice. Just introduce yourself and maybe you know, share a bit about the sports that you like. Maybe we we'll start with you, Simon. Hi. Simon, I, Simon, Simon. <laughs> Simon and Simon, right? Yeah, okay. My favorite sports is badminton and tennis. I've been playing badminton since I was in a primary school. And for tennis, I have a great interest in tennis when Michael Chang first won his Grand French Slam Open. in French Open 1989. Yeah. Well, I wasn't born yet. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, Final, I watched in live telecast. That moment was really electrifying. He beat Stefan Apple in yeah, the I final. Yeah, that match. Yes. So it, I almost cried when I see his American with Asian blood won the French Open in 1989. It really amazed me. Nice. Yeah, I think this shows the potential of sports, right? To stir up emotion. What about you, David? What's the sports that you, you love and... How has that impacted your life? Yeah, for me, football has been the greatest passion that I've had since high school. When Liverpool won the Champions League in 2004 and 5. <laughs> so that was that moment, uh, the miracle in Istanbul, that kind of just caused me to like, wow. I mean, it's a special club compared to Man United, Chelsea. Mm-hmm. So something that kind of just attracted me in terms of, especially their team song, You Never Walk Alone. Yep, yep. Yeah, so it sounds like, wow, okay. Something is encouraging me in my personal life as well. David, I really have to agree with you that Liverpool fans are a different category. You talk about Istanbul, and here am I wearing AC Milan shirt, being a fan since I was primary three or four. Mm -hmm. And so we are on on the opposite side, and yet there are passion, there are joy, there are successes, there are failures, and we we, we can celebrate and then we can move on, you know. Of course, Istanbul for a lot of Milan fans (laughs) is just something they couldn't really move on, even though two years later. So these are the the things, the stories of sports that cause the unity, that cause people to come together. Yet in recent time, sports seem to have created more divides. Sports seem to have become more political. So Mark, what about you? Tell us a little bit about... I know you mentioned you are casual, but still every time we talk about sports, you have something to add. So over to you. Right, right. Uh, I love basketball. I played basketball in high school. Unfortunately, I don't play it today, but I still watch a lot of NBA highlights. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I just love what the new talent is coming up with. You know, every, every, you see every generation, they're always getting better at yeah. whatever sports, you know. So it's always very refreshing to see that. Yeah, and, and we're just talking about sports and politics, right? And how early on we were, we were just discussing... Like FIFA, they have more members than United Nations. Olympic Council have more members than United Nations. So in general sense, sports have always transcended political development in in a very general sense. And I can think about Berlin Olympics, 1936. 
you know, at a time where Hitler was already in power, he was already demonstrating his racist domination, propaganda, and all of a sudden he invited all the nations and, and they just take our loans. Of course, the United States at that time, not very interested in what's happening in Europe after World War I. They have no intention to get involved. And in the background of the racist propaganda, a black man, Jesse Owens, won four Olympic gold, broke Olympic records. Mm. So it's almost like a demonstration of defiance against Hitler. But of course, yet at the same time, you know, we talk about the world of sports are not free from boycotts. 1980 Moscow Olympics, an event which greatly impacted our nation. We'll talk about that a bit later. Four years later, Soviet Union and the Eastern Bloc, they boycotted LA Olympics. So all these kind of things, cancellation, boycott. Now, of course, on the mind of a lot of people right now, and even though the, the news have not been trending very upwardly, we talk about Russians and Ukraine war. And we know already that the national football team of Russia have been banned. And yet, you know, individual players somehow are, are still allowed to, to play. Now, before I get into the individual player, David, maybe I, let, let me ask you this because you are into <coughs> football and Russia, you know, do you think it's related to Abrahamovic? Is it related to Chelsea? Is it because people somehow get the impression that Russian money are in football and that's why there is a need to punish the national team? I don't think so. Russia's Abrahamovic, uh, Roman, has much influence in, in, at this point of time. Mm -hmm. Although he's like in the main picture at this point, trying to uh, resolve the tensions between the two nations, uh, Russia and Ukraine. I mean, businessmen are businessmen, right? I mean, we just talk about Malaysian context. You know, I, I remember before GE14, GE13, and businessmen would say, oh, today we are hosting 100 tables for Pakatan. Those days are Pakatan Rakyat, you know. And, and you know what was the reasoning? They said, oh, in case there's a change of government, hey, we still need to have good relationships with, with either side. Mm, so, right, right. you know, actually, when I look at someone like, like Roman, that's the way I perceive that he is just a businessman and he wants to play on the good book of both sides. And that, that is why I'm always very concerned about cancellation because it, it, it seems like there is a different propaganda. And then we, we saw a, a British politician kind of say, at that time, remember, Russians, ATP war number one, Daniel Medvedev, he was number one for a while before Djokovic came back. Now, Djokovic, we're going to have a lot to say about what happened just a few months ago. Hmm. And this politician came out and said, well, unless Medvedev disavow, that's a very strong word. That means hmm. he, he kind of denied, he kind of cut himself off from Putin. He might not be allowed to play in Wimbledon. I mean, is it fair that you ask a sportsman, all their life they train for playing for an event, and all of a sudden you ask them to come to a very strong political position or else they will be cancelled from the event. What, what do you all think about this kind of... Is this oppression? Is this something that we shouldn't be seeing in sports? Maybe, Simon, you you like to give your, your take on, on all this? We should not mix sports and politics. To me, it's amazing to see someone become a, a new number one, like Medvedev, I mean, to replace Djokovic. This is really a good sign that someone finally be able to challenge Djokovic, make the sports more interesting. Like what we experienced in Formula One, 
where we have uh, Lewis Hamilton <laughs> to be the world champion for seven years in a row. So, I mean, if he is good, I understand, okay, but then he may kill the excitement of these particular sports. Yeah, it gets boring, right? And I, I suppose tennis, we have the big three, Federer, Nadal, Djokovic for the longest time. The balance of power kept shifting. And I think it's fair to say that Medvedev probably represented the first genuine threat to the yeah, big three correct. in terms of, uh, I mean, we have Pass, we have, you know, all the other players, mm-hmm. but they never quite push the envelope as Medvedev. So it's very interesting development and then Russian-Ukraine happens and now, of course, he had kind of suffered an injury, might not even be in French Open, Wimbledon, yeah. so this is a moot point. But talking about cancellations and boycotts, I think there is a difference. Coming back to the 1980 Moscow Olympics, and just now I was just doing a bit of reading, and I remember a few years ago, we watched the movie Ola Bola, which kind of is a dramatization of the whole event. I, I think people don't remember how huge it was, because 1980, to qualify for football Olympic is same level as qualifying for FIFA World Cup. Why? Because it is a full senior team. They don't have uh, under-23 restrictions. So it is not hyperbole to say that Malaysia at that time was considered one of the top football nations in Asia. And we qualified, and all of a sudden, the Western Bloc under United States decided to boycott Moscow Olympics, and we couldn't go there. So what do you think about all these boycotting? And now I want to compare this to cancellation because just, I think, a few years ago, there was an international swimming competition in Sarawat, and there were participants from Israel. Now, you Mm. know, Malaysia, we have a foreign policy. Israel not allowed to come in. Mm. By the way, for all the listeners who are not aware, Sarawak actually, they have their own jurisdictions over immigration. So they could have allowed, but they decided to toe the line with the federal government. So later on, one of the minister, I can't remember his name already, he said, well, we can compare this to the sacrifice we made in 1980. So you have boycott and you have cancellations. And I think those are not the same thing because boycott... You don't like Coke, you can go for Pepsi. You don't like Sprite, you go for... You know, you have choices, but cancellations, you, you are basically pushing people into the narrow way. And, and of course, the whole incident ended with the foreign minister say that from now onward, Malaysia will not host any more events involving Israel. Now, by the way, this happened during the Pakatan Harapan government. This happened during Prime Minister Mahathir's second stint. Now, I know we're talking about sports, but let's just go into politics for a while. Because I think these are the kind of examples, the kind of events that really undermine the PH government for 18 months. Because they came out promising freedom, liberty, and then you have a prime minister like that. So, so anyone wants to, you know, Sorry. I know we are sports here, but using sports as a lens into the political climate. What, what do you all think about that? Was this a mistake of the Pakatan Harapan's administration? Pakatan government at that time, they are still young. I mean, to, to be taking over the federal government, definitely they would have a lot of consideration and also pressure from yep. the Rakyat Malaysia, a lot of Malays. Yep. And most of the Malays, they are actually supporting Palestine. 
to them a lot of injustice done towards the Palestinians. If our Malaysian government, okay, led by the Pakatan Harapan, they allow all these Israelis to participate in the sports event, so indirectly we may be deemed as recognizing the Israel government. So this may not be a good sign from the perspective of the uh, political scenario, especially when you have a lot of Muslims, Malays in this country. Yeah, yeah, I, I do think that's a valid point because when you look at the, the administration, Pakatan Harapans, they were basically tiptoeing. They were a bit careful. I mean, you look at ISIS uh, incident, they, they didn't ratify that. So there was a lot of concern that the administration doesn't veer into liberal movement too soon, too quickly. And now, of course, time will tell whether that was correct because when, even when they try to toe the line, even when they try to be more conservative, I mean conservative in the Malaysian sense, which is catering to the race, religious agenda and narrative, it, it didn't help them. They, they, they still get broken. So, so this is interesting discussion. I mean, I mean, very similar to what when Ram was here, you know, he presented something different and say, we, we shouldn't think about all these things, but just try to forge ahead with, with something new. So, I mean, sports somehow always brings us into the perspective of political relationship. Now, in this show, I know most of you are listeners to the show. You know, we have, I mean, this is season four already. We have been talking about, very frequently, about the impact of the pandemic. We talk about pandemic policies, lockdown, vaccine passport. Of course, in Malaysia, finally, we are in the endemic transitional phase where basically vaccine passport is very limited in its use. I mean, the last two years, all these policies greatly impacted many people and even world-class athletes are not exempted. So, of course, they are world-class athletes and they are superstar world-class mm. athletes. Yep, yep. So, it doesn't get much bigger than Novak Djokovic and Kyrie Irving. So, I want to mm. talk about these two. And let, let's start with Kyrie because Kyrie, NBA, okay, Mark, we're going to your, your area now. Mm. I'm also a huge NBA fan. But recently... You know, Kyrie had been so persistent mm, yeah. in not wanting vaccination. Like and more than a year? More than a year. Yeah, and I think he, so, yeah. Each time he appeared before the media, he doubled down. He doubled down and said, why are you talking like this? And, and he was pretty articulate. You know, he, he wasn't like angry or manifesting or nothing. But, but he was like very cool and calm and just mm. say, this is my business. Why are you such a busybody, you know? Yep, yep, yep. But here's an article, you know, right after... New York City mayor lifted the restriction. I mean, the, the irony was he could play away games and he couldn't play home games. Now, before we go into the, the vaccine issue, let me just ask you a basketball question. Do you think his inability to play home games caused... Caused the Nets? Yeah, yeah. what was the teammate who just left suddenly? Oh, Harden. Harden, yeah, James yeah. Harden. Oh, yeah. man, I, I mean, that, that was so... He was so far removed from my consciousness. <laughs> Do you think that played a role in Harden's bailing the Nets? Oh, definitely. Easily, yeah. But of course, given Harden's history, yeah, he changed yeah. team twice. Correct, correct. But was that something that pushed him over the ledge? I think so. I think Harden was just wanting to be in a super team because Kyrie couldn't play. So I, I, I don't know for a fact, but like, it seemed like Harden just wanted to get out 
So it, it is Embiid better than Durant and Kyrie? Uh, <laughs> I, well, Embiid is one of the top top three, top four players in the league right now. Currently going for the MVP mm. role. So actually, Durant is also kind of going for the MVP. I role. mean, people kind of forgotten how Durant did in Olympic. He, he was destroying everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I remember the Olympics. If, without him, US would be gone. Yeah, Durant's a monster. But I think like the Nets, they are good offensively, but they're lacking defense. And I think just Harden just wanted just a different place to be at. Now, Mark, here's an article, okay, right after the lifting of the playing restrictions. And it's called Kyrie Irving successfully runs out the vaccine clock in New York City. I mean, of course, this is a basketball reference, you know. There's a, there's a clock you can run out, you yeah, can yeah. win. So, so what, what do you think of all this? You, you know, it's like after such a struggle and finally he could play again. Do you see this as a personal success to his commitment, maybe? Yeah, I guess like for Kyrie, he believed in something and he stood his ground for it. Because remember, there was another player, uh, Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. Too? yeah. And uh, they were going to ban Andrew from playing, the, playing games too. Yeah. I guess in the end, he realized that he wanted to play in, at that moment more than getting the vaccine. So I... No, to each their own. Lah. Kyrie, mm. I guess, Kyrie is pretty established and he knows what he wants. So he decided to not play, even though like it would, it might have costed him, his team not to be in the playoffs, but his conviction was pretty strong. Actually, if you see his interviews too, right, uh, what he stood for actually was because of the, the black community. Mm. Uh, because they, they had a history of being... Uh, Forced vaccinations, yeah. Exactly, and that was why he was doing that more for his community, actually. That, that, that was very interesting because now suddenly I was reminded of how, you, you know, the, the whole agenda was pushed out mainly by the, by the liberal left, but all of a sudden when it, it impacted the black community, even BLM, for example, Black Lives Matters stood out and say they were against vaccinations. Well, maybe we shouldn't say vaccination. They were against forced vaccination. Mm. And we talk about already how in Malaysia, they, we don't have overt forced vaccination, but there were many indirect ways. If you don't vaccinate, you can't do X, Y, Z. You can't do this. And there was constant barrage of just go and do it, go and do it to, to the extent so much misinformation, especially regarding to children vaccination. But coming mm. back to Kyrie Irving and... Now, now, do you recall a few weeks before this was lifted, Kevin Durant, he's not the smoothest player in terms of speaking and mm. presenting his point of view. And he was just unloading on New York City mayor and say this is bullshit and things like that. Because at that time, the spectators who were not vaccinated could enter the arena, but the player couldn't. So I, mm. I remember Kyrie was like, okay, if that's the case, I'm going as a spectator and they actually find the Nets for allowing an unvaxxed player in the facility. But he was like, I'm just a spectator. What, what do you expect? And I don't get that. Yeah, yeah. So, so that, that's the whole thing. That, that's the whole discussion we have. This is not based on science. This is based on control. This is mm, based right, on right, dominations. Right. And, and we saw that. I mean, you talk about Wiggins. Wiggins, of course, playing for Golden State. Yeah. So we see California and New York especially. And, and of course, you study in Boston and then you, you also kind of stay yeah. in, in LA, LA for a yeah, while. Yeah, for, yeah. So for are, are you surprised? You know, these are liberal community and yet somehow their administration are so into... Now, of course, we know the development, the big government has been around for a long time. 
But these sort of vaccine policies, do you think the people actually put up with it or we are not seeing the right thing from the mainstream media? I mean, from your experience, because you stay in the West Coast, East Coast, the most liberal community, if I can put it to you. Right, right. Oh, man. <laughs> Bring back some memories now. <laughs> uh, I think even... In those liberal places, people kind of want you to act a certain way. Mm -hmm. And if you don't follow, or if you don't act in that norm, then you're labeled as a hate monger or like, you kind of have to, what's the word, uh, adapt into their belief system. Mm -hmm. If not, you, they'll cast you as an outcast. That's why there's a saying that liberalism is actually a religion. Oh, okay. Did you, do you agree with that statement? Ah. Uh, yeah, so just looking at how things are right now. The, the way they force you to conform to a certain yeah, way conform, of behavior. That's the word, yeah, conform, yeah. So staying in those places, you, you do agree that there is that kind of, I mean, what's the right word? Overtone, some kind of atmospheric. What's the right word? Yeah, it's some kind of like, you have to be this way. Mm. It's like a culture, actually. It's like a... I guess they call it the woke culture. Hmm. Yeah. So, so you don't feel that in Malaysia, right? Malaysia, no, not not not, yet. not woke, not, but not, something else, right? Not yeah. like not to the extent. No, yeah. Malaysia, I feel like you can still say your mind, mm -hmm. and but depends on what topic. You know what I mean? Certain topics might get you locked in jail. <laughs> but but for the most part, like I think, like culturally speaking, most we can still say our mind and not get cancelled in Malaysia. Not yet. Yeah, and it's very ironic because, you know, the, the very basis of the, the BLM, you know, Black Lives Matter movement, is on the basis that there shouldn't be suppressions of opinions. And, and David, I want to come to you because BLM, of course, have been impacting the colour community all around the world. And you start to see people kneeling during national anthem. And, and that started to, to come into European football and EPL. But very quickly... I noticed, you know, a few years ago that EPL quickly took a firm stand to say that the players cannot kneel, they cannot demonstrate their affiliation to BLM. Uh, so, so why do you think EP now, EPL, of course, is one of the most lucrative business, not just sports, business in the world, uh, uh, worldwide branding. Do you think there's a reason why EPL came down so quickly and so swiftly against BLM and the similar type of overt political expression. I feel that how fast that EPL has like just disband themselves from this ideology. Although they're still they are still sticking to the uh, no racist uh, in no in games no racism and all those stuff. Mm -hmm. But they are trying to divorce themselves from this BLM uh, movement. At some point I do think that uh, looking at what the the Americans are doing in the US in terms yep. of defunding the police and mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's coming from that perspective. They feel that maybe... Let's go in too much. Yeah, there's too, too much already. Yeah, I think it's not related to racism. The UK's, uh, I think, the eyes are opening in that sense. But on the other side of the spectrum, I do feel that in terms of commercial... Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, commercialization in terms of that. So to, to avoid people from not watching the EPL. So I think it's part of it as well. Do you agree that football, now we talk about football, I mean, we use the term football, okay? Yeah. But the Americans use soccer. I, I, I'm not, never going to use the word soccer. <laughs> yeah. And do, do you feel that football generally are less political? You know, you, you think about the, the players. Can you think of any player who are, you know, like LeBron, like 
Muhammad Ali. I, I can't actually. Yeah, actually, it's not. I can't think of any actually at the moment. And, and also, yeah. you know, there has been a lot of accusations mm. that certain nations like Italy, you know, they are like the fans are full of racist, yeah. and but the authority are not doing anything about that, especially racist against color player, yep. even Italian old player Balotelli. Mm. You know, those kind of example. Mm. So, do you agree generally? The fans of football just couldn't care less about political. I mean, less they, they were they are not so political in that sense. Yeah, I think yeah, I think they're they're less political. Mm. For them, it's definitely it's just enjoyment and just trashing each other's other <laughs> opponent team as long as my team wins, kind of thing. So I think it's a passion. Yeah. I think they get more emotional over <laughs> derby. You, you yeah. know, like you know Liverpool and uh, United. Yeah. Liverpool will be with Everton, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. Derby is, yeah. Everton, yeah. Then talk about London, so many rivalry, yep. or Inter with AC Milan, Real Madrid with Barcelona. Those yep. kind of... I think people get hotter over mm. the competition. You know, yep. I have more trophy, I have more winner, yes. I have more goals, yep. rather than going into politics. So, so I, I do notice and observe that as a football fan, in fact, football is my number one sports, then mm. NBA, then tennis, in that order... <laughs> I would say I haven't seen a very overt athlete. You, know, you, you see the superstars today, Cristiano Ronaldo, you yeah. see Messi, you see Ibra. Mm. I mean, okay, maybe Ibrahimovic, a little bit political, mm. but not, not very much also. You know, once mm. in a while, he says something that kind of trigger people and people just kind of move on. Yeah. But you don't find that. And, and tennis, you know, let, let's go into tennis right now because mm. tennis is... Now, I know, you know we have some of you who are more of a fan. Just a few months ago, January, I mean, it became a huge saga, Novak Djokovic, right? Mm. And I think even if you're not a tennis fan, you sort of heard mm. the whole news. Yeah. Yeah. And here we have a nine-time Australian Open champion. We're not talking about any Tom, Dick and Harry. A nine-time record holder, number one winner in terms of Grand Slam. I mean, of course, until Nadal kind of overtaken that role. His vaccination status was unknown. And then he just put a tweet and say, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. And, and then when he arrived, and then all of a sudden, we, we start to hear the big hoo-ha. He was detained and there, there was an inquiry over the potential of maybe he will be deported. And, and then we found out a few things that he actually received an approval from... At first, he had COVID already for the second time. Then he had approval from Australian Technical Advisory Group on Immunization, which is an independent group set up by Australians, Tennis Australia to, to sort of verify the, the immunization status, whether they qualify for certain medical exemptions. Then another thing, he also had approval from Victorian government. So the whole thing went into initially a federal court judge because... Uh, I think the federal government wanted to deport him. And at that time, I can't remember the judge's name already. He, he made something quite interesting. He said, what else can Djokovic do? He had done everything he could. So then he was allowed to play. But you know Australia, you know, I, I studied law in Australia, and they have one of the most comprehensive immigration law. I, I tell you, you, you think Sarawak has autonomy. Australia immigration law gives them all kind of power. They don't need explanation. And the court... Usually when the law is structured in such a way, the court will be a bit reluctant. But anyway, the whole story, eventually, the federal government stepped in, the immigration minister, Alex Hawke, he used his personal power and Djokovic visa was revoked and he was deported. Now, 
Now, Simon, since you, you are into tennis, first thing I want to ask is, there has been a lot of commentary, a lot of discussions on how the whole incident is actually a political move because hundreds and thousands of, of Australians had not been able to come back. Can you imagine, you are Australian and you are overseas and all of a sudden, the federal government put a cap and said, oh, one week we can have X number of people. So a lot of them are waiting one year, two years before they can even step. And when Australian border finally opened after 700 plus days, some people were stuck overseas for two years. So under this climate, there were a lot of political commentary and said that Scott Morrison was doing a political move because he had to appease the Australian voters who had been mistreated. And that's why he did what he did with Djokovic. So, what's your comment on this? It's not just for tennis fans, but also for the entire world, whether you like tennis or you don't like tennis. They feel very divided because mm. of such... Why this person who is not vaccinated, but he is allowed to travel to Australia and to play in Australian Open, he was exempted by the board. Okay? Yep. I believe the Australian Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, he feel like, oops... There has been some mistake made, or you could say it's a miscommunication or misunderstanding, and he is trying hard to rectify this matter. But then, of course, things doesn't appear to be nice when he actually instructs immigration minister. Do you think it's a direct instruction from Scott Moore? I believe so. At that time, they are planning for the national election. So this would have some impact on his rating when it comes to election. So he, he definitely need to do something to protect his rating and to make sure they manage to receive mandate from their voters for the upcoming election. Yeah, I think the, the whole saga, I mean, of course, you have the law and we respect the law. You know, if the law says ABC, then you follow ABC. But what people are not happy, I'm talking about observer, sports observer, political observer, is the fact that the whole incident seemed to have been conducted in a very bad faith, in, in a very bad faith manner. And I mean, if you don't want him to come, just tell him beforehand. He doesn't even have to take a flight and then come here, the whole saga. And even after federal court say that his application was valid, they still had to go into the reserve, you know, and, and use that special immigration power. Just kind of give the impressions about the desperation of the Australian government is like they are already proven wrong, they are already proven acting in bad faith and yet they want to use a special provision to say, see, I have this law. So it's a bit, it reminds me a bit of emergency ordinance, ISA, you can't charge a person, so I'm going to lock you up for two years. You can't say anything. Mm -hmm. it, it, it kind of reminds me of that. So, yeah. you know, as someone who studied law, graduated, called to bar there, I really felt like the last two years, we, we are seeing the descent into lawlessness in Australia. And I don't think I'm the only one uh, saying this. Now, of course, Australia has one of the worst vaccination mandate in the entire world. I mean, we don't know what is the exact policy for China. <laughs> but if we can know, I won't be surprised if they are similar. You know, the, the kind of... It affected 70% of the workforce. You can't work unless you are vaccinated. It's just crazy, crazy. And I just cannot imagine that people are giving up liberty. But anyway, coming back 
to the Djokovic saga again. What surprised me, you know, I, I would have thought he, he would sue the government, he didn't. But what he did really surprised me. He said, if other Grand Slams insist I vaccinate, then I will not be there. You remember he said that later on? Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, I remember he mentioned that he is not an anti-waxer, mm. but he will sacrifice trophies if told to get jacked. Yeah, and, and coming to this topic, we, we say that again and again and again, but I, I think we should take the opportunity to do it again here, that people confuse anti-mandate with anti-vaccine. Yeah. You see, we are not mm. anti-vaccine. I mean, you can take all the vaccine you want. You want the fifth or sixth or seventh jab, fine. But you can't do something that compel, that force someone to take vaccination. I think right. th there's a lot of indirect things here. You know, you can't even travel. Mm. So, so I'm, I'm glad, you know, all the local travel restrictions. And in fact, I, I really believe by 2023, we won't even need vaccine to go overseas. Mm. That, that this whole issue will have died down. But I'm, Unfortunately, the, the mind has been conditioned to some kind of control already. But anyway, Djokovic, uh, I think he, he's training for French Opens. Uh, very yeah. likely he can play. Yeah. Wimbledon also, we met the vet out. Nadal not in full condition. It won't be surprised if he pick up one or two Grand Slams and the race to be number one will, be, will start all over again. Yeah, back to title number 21 for Djokovic. Yeah, wow. That's 21. So, so, soon, coming soon. Now, now Simon, later on, I, I want everyone to give a sports prediction. But since we are here, I, I just ask you up front, do you, do you think Djokovic will win a Grand Slam title this year? I feel that very lightly in Wimbledon. Okay, so, so yes. you are picking him to win Wimbledon. I, I was picking him to win US Open, you know. Because, <laughs> okay. you know, he had, for someone who wins Australian Open nine times, he had not been very successful on the hard court in, in in, in New York, which was very surprising. And it, it, you know, when we analyze tennis, it's a seasonal kind of sports. People can start out very fresh, but by the time September, October, the, the wear and tear. But the fact that he missed so many tournaments, I believe, will help him. He will be in tip-top condition. Very similar to how Federer was injured for six, seven months. Remember, he came back Australian Open and people are like, can this guy still play? And he, he, he defeated Nadal five sets, remember? Mm, yeah. Then he won the, the Sunshine US combinations. He defeated Nadal again in Wimbledon. So, so I think he was on the rampage against Nadal, 5 0 run <laughs> for a while. And wow. it just demonstrated that the freshness in the mind, in the leg, it has a great impact. I, I mean, I, mm. I really can see Djokovic coming back with a vengeance. <laughs> but we'll see about that. I mean, later on, we'll, we'll ask a sports prediction for each one of you. Now, let's come to the concluding part of this podcast. And, you know, I know we haven't said so much about uh, the... But, so this last part is more, more open and I, I'd like to hear from you because we are still talking about sports and politics. And let me set the scene by referring to a very famous Michael Jordan incident. Okay, Michael Jordan, of course, a great NBA legend. And this was what happened, that when he was, I can't remember which year, already a superstar, and during election, his mother came, you know, he was sitting on the team bus, just about to go, and his mother said, oh, Michael, would you like to endorse for a Democrat black candidate? I can't remember, it's a Senate or Congress uh, election. And he declined, and his reason was this, well, mom, Republican, 
buy shoes also because he was a great endorser. He was the face of Nike Air. So he chose to be apolitical. And even years later, now I want to ask you, you, you know, we, we all agree athletes have great social standing. They have great yeah. fame. Yeah. They can influence the public for, for better or for the worse. Right. They're celebrities practically. Yeah. yeah. So, so, I mean, we all agree that sports is actually a component of the entertainment. Hmm. I, I mean, yeah. we watch sports to be entertained, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. are you entertained enough? You know, that, that's, <laughs> the gladiator is a sports. Remember that, that famous <laughs> yeah. line by Russell Crowe? <laughs> yeah. So, it's the same. I mean, when you see LeBron, you see, you see MJ, you, you see Djokovic, you see Nadal, you, you are looking at the grace, the, the athletic ability. So, they are definitely in the realm of entertainment. So, so I'm going to ask everyone to, to give your take, okay? Maybe I should set the scene a little bit. You know, as athletes become more and more visible with social media, and, and then you have the pressure from the liberal left and say, oh, you have to do something, especially with, with identity politics. The black athletes especially are pressurized to conform to a certain way. I mean, I'm mm. just telling you, this is just a matter of fact. It's not even an opinion. So you started to have Kilpatrick, remember, was doing the kneeling down with BLM. Then you have Le LeBron, very political, but he was not the first. I mean, look at Muhammad Ali, look at Karim Abdul-Jabbar. Then on the other hand, you have someone like Jordan, and he's like, I'm going to be neutral. I I I'm not going to alienate both sides. And, and by the way, Michael Jordan did a lot of community improvement work. You know, he was using his money for greater good, but he just doesn't want to be political. And those of you who watch his amazing documentary The Last Dance if you have not watched you should really watch it on Netflix it's one of the best sports documentary 20 years later retired already aware of all the social impact BLM and things like that so they asked him the same question again and he doubled down and said this is not who I am I'm not political I just go and do what I do I will not tell people what they want so that was his position so I guess my question is this you know, we are paying money for entertainment. Should the sportsmen then be refrained to be political in a way that is very preachy? Because they, they are basically telling us how we should think, how we should behave. And I'm just giving you data. You know, NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, the ratings have been going downhill ever since BLM. And EPL is going all the way up after they banned BLM. Okay, I'm just giving you facts. They are both sides of the argument, so maybe we just go around, you know, Simon, David, and then Mark. Tell us what you think, you know, what is the balance? And as a fan of sports, do you want to be preached or do you want just to be entertained? I follow up Djokovic, Facebook, and also from the Instagram. So, actually, he never mentioned anything about anti-waxing. Yeah, mm. so... It's nothing about vaccination, but it's more on about how he able to earn his prize money and then to, like what Simon mentioned just now, is to give back to the society by doing some community work in terms of building schools or conducting a tennis coaching. Yeah, besides training for the sports, I mean, for the love of the sports and also for his fans. So I think this is nothing to do with politics and he, in fact, he can become a role model for other sports personnel or even those young children 
who have a potential to become a champion one day. And uh, not just Djokovic, okay, uh, it reminds me of Malaysia. Okay, we have people like Lee Chong-wei, mm-hmm. who has been constantly contributing towards building the society to have a creating opportunity like providing laptops, even the materials for children, especially those with uh, average earners, okay, or even like our Malaysia B40, okay, those lower bracket one. So they are, he is actually providing all the, these good things like laptops to the children and to give them an opportunity to be able to learn to go to school with uh, better equipment so that able to obtain a better education. Yeah. Of course, he also have contributed to some mosques, even to some opposition mm-hmm. politicians. And this doesn't mean that he is, yeah, he is sided on one political party or something. Uh, what he did was impress me because he made it like bipartisan yeah mm. he don't care is for which side so long mm. he's doing a good deed for the society yeah yeah i'm not a huge uh, follower of badminton but of course we are in malaysia we all know and i have to agree with you that lee chong wei has proven to be very apolitical and now of course the only political link if you can even call that was that his biggest fan was rosma you know for, for the longest time but he was very neutral all the time i have to say and you think about some of the athletes who are very neutral, you think about Tiger Woods, you think about Michael Jordan, and you, you think about Federer, you know, these people have crafted a very careful image of being neutral. I, I, I guess it impacts their wallet also. But coming back to the question, I mean, do you think athletes should be like that? Or do you think this is a platform, they have fame, they have the right to pursue their social agenda? What, what do you think? What I mean is, you know, so, so we talk about athletes who are very careful, they don't push the political agenda. Then we have people like Muhammad Ali, like Karim, like LeBron. At every opportunity, they will comment on social comment, political commentary. And you see so many athletes uh, are cursing against President Trump or, or the Republicans, those kind of things. So, so I guess my question is, just your, your personal view, do you agree? Do you agree that athletes should be entitled to do that or do you think they shouldn't be allowed to do that because, hey, we are paying you for entertainment. We, we are not paying for you to preach to us. Yeah, come to this point, I believe that athletes should have a clear stand, I mean, not to mix politics with sports unless they, we have some political agenda. But honestly, I feel that that they shouldn't mix sports with politics because the fans are paying them to I mean to get entertained and also most importantly for the future of the sports event. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. their only qualification is really their, their worldwide fame. Uh, I mean, so many times already you see sportsmen commenting on political events and they're just causing themselves to look ridiculous because they, they, did not, they do not know the facts. They do not know. So it's like, you know, I, I'm a lawyer and all of a sudden I'm commenting on medical things. I'm commenting on businesses. I'm not 
familiar with. I, I mean, that's not right, right? I mean, it's like if you are an engineer, how can you comment on how a musician is functioning? Yeah. So, so that's like a, a bit of violation of sphere. You know, we, we use this kind of term. And, and that's my problem with not just sports, but a lot of Hollywood people. They are only... Their only position is they are famous, they have a platform, people listen to them, but then they don't really have an appreciation on that. So, so that, that's my take. David, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I have to agree with you, Simon. I think in, in the world of football, yeah, definitely mixing politics and football, it's, it will just make the game very dull and more hateful speech, hateful elements will just, just creep into the sports arena, which we don't want to see that which now we see like racism and all that mm-hmm. coming into. I think if a footballer wants to get involved, have a say in politics, I think they can do it after their career is over. Mm-hmm. If they want to join politics, let them join. For now, I think if I think it's best for them to really focus on playing the game, the beautiful game they call it, football. And Yeah, not many of them. Of course, I think there is a move, you know, especially with the Russian-Ukraine events. I think there is a pressure on sportsmen to, to draw a line. So it's almost like there are some establishment wanting everyone to condemn Russia. And you know, in the early days, of course, it certainly looked like Russia was a big bad wolf, Ukraine was a victim. But now as more and more information come out, you start to see that it's not so black and white. And people shouldn't be forced to draw hard line. I mean, in football, the only thing I can think of was some footballer, you know, Barcelona footballer, especially, they were talking about the Catalan independence. Yeah. Yeah. I think Pep Guardiola was one of those and he was criticized until now he was, now he's also very quiet, you know. Yeah. Nadal, of course, had that connection with, with Catalan. So, but, but he was very, I mean, Nadal also, I think he must have learned something from Federer, you know, just maintain that coolness. And Djokovic also, the big three have been tremendously professional. And let's go to Mark. I think it's a very interesting question, Simon. I think like what you mentioned earlier, so like do the athletes know what the price they're paying if they step into this political realm? Well, the NBA, the whole organization is just political in nature, right? Mm. But then I think like as an individual athlete, I believe that you can use your platform mm. So I would have to disagree with, with you guys. I would say that, yeah, why not? You know, if you believe in a certain thing, you, mm-hmm. are, you have to influence, why not? But like, it's interesting how you brought up LeBron too and MJ. MJ wanted to be the very best. You can see that like he, he was just focused on winning. And with LeBron, you can see him looking at things from... Uh, he wants his legacy to transcend beyond just basketball. You can yep. see that. That's why he has a very, he's very vocal about politics. Mm-hmm. Whether that's good for his reputation or not, that's, uh, you know, that's for him to... I think uh, the judgment is still out there. Lah. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. like, you know, when we talk about people being overt, another person can think of, you know, some of the celebrity are just very, you know, the, the way they're presented. I mean, basically the whole Hollywood has become uh, hard left, you know, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what they don't realize is that Look, half the nations voted for something else. So are you going against the entire half nations or even more? So, mm. so that, that's the thing people don't realize is that why must it always be war? Why, 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 why must it always be I'm either for you or against you? I, I, and I guess my objection and, and in our show all this while we've been talking about this sort of domination of politics is that 
it is a communist way. I mean, there's no other way to describe it other than the communist way is to cause a silencing. And we see that with the COVID pandemic era, that the authority have used big tech, have used establishment, media, all, all those kind of things. But I, I do agree with, with your point that they, they can be a greater good. But when you are always... Uh, so, so talking about LeBron specifically, you know, I, I can just think of a few incidents where I, I personally felt he should have just shut up because that was not right, his right, sphere. Right. Yeah, yeah. So I agree with you that his legacy yet to be determined. And yeah. 10 years, 20 years, people might have a different different opinion, you know, depending on how the political development ends up, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If the nation indeed shifted to permanent liberal left, then he will be heralded as a hero. But if the conservative push back and shifted the nation back, then I, I think he will be looked upon historically as a clown, you know. So, so it's always right, like, right, right. you know, the history are written by winners, you know. Right, right, <laughs> so right. that's another point of view. But I agree, you know, they... You, you have the platforms, you say, then you just have to be willing to bear the price, yeah, the, consequences. the consequences. And so I guess it's the same for all of us. Right? We are all in different sphere. We are all in different arena. There come a time where we have to make a decision. I mean, even, you know, remember I was asking you all to come to the podcast. You're all like, okay, should I come? What do I need to say? Because we're in this era where I really believe each person, the grassroots movement, you have something to contribute one way or another. And so, so I'm really glad you are on this show today because it, it shows that you, you care about what's happening around, you care about the impact of sports and you, you know how it's going to help us to develop the thinking of, of freedom and liberty. Now, to wrap off, I'm going to ask a sports prediction from each of you for... I mean, it can be 2022, but it can also be for 2023, okay? A sports prediction... So it's something that you think will happen. And maybe something like this, something you think will happen objectively and also something you hope to see happening to your team. So, so those are not the same thing, okay? So let's, okay, let's start with Mark here, okay? Then we end with Simon. Something I think will happen. Yeah, your predictions. Oh, predictions. So one is prediction, one is hope. They're not the same, right? Hope is that you can always hope. You know, it's like Everton can always hope they will win. Right, right. Or, or Spurs can always hope they will win. I don't know when they will that happen. And Liverpool was long-suffering for the longest time. Milan was long-suffering long for the longest time. You know? so, so one sports prediction. Oh, okay. So like playoffs, lah, since we're Play talking about the... World Cup, you know, badminton, okay. anything, anything. I, I, I thought about playoffs. Uh, sports predictions. I would say the Bucks or the Celtics are going to be the 22 world champions. So you're, you're, you're banking on the Eastern teams. Yeah, yeah. The, they, they look really strong. Uh, I, what I hope is... Um, because uh, right now, Lamelo is on the Hornets. They, they are, he's so refreshing to watch on, mm. in basketball. He's like a young Jason Williams, right? Young, young white chocolate. Mm-hmm. So I really hope the Hornets can make it to the finals. Are they, are they in the playoffs? I'm not sure. I mean, Hornets, I, I think they should be, or at least in the play-ins. Play-ins of the playoff. Yeah. Right, right, right. Well, Some teams are still on the verge of making, I think. I haven't been following the standing, okay? Mm, yeah, so okay, that's my hope. So that's your prediction, so that, uh, hope both in NBA. Okay, yep. David, what about you? What, what's your prediction and what's your hope? All Any right. sports? Okay, so I think uh, since World Cup is coming soon, yeah, so definitely I'm hoping that Argentina will win the World Cup Okay. since it will be Lionel Messi's final World Cup. Mm-hmm. Although I'm a 
huge fan of Ronaldo compared to Messi, but I would rather see Messi win the World Cup. And yes, definitely I hope uh, in terms of World Cup, an African nation. I know I just said Argentina, but an African nation actually do have actually a lot of strong good yep. players and good teams. Mm. So I think I hope this time will be a, like a like a, a change, yeah, in Qatar. Now you talk about Argentina. Yeah. If Argentina wins with Messi leading, does that make him GOAT? The GOAT? I think he would. Definitely. definitely. Uh, that's the only thing That's the left. only thing that is left, yeah. That, that's but, the only argument against him. Yes. That, I mean, of course, he won Copa, but Copa is just trash, okay? Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Africa, yeah. talk about Africa, very interesting. I mean, yeah. since 1994, I remember, mm. the World Cup in US, the super hot World Cup, yeah. they have been talking about an African team winning because the talent undeniably was yeah. there. Yeah. But 30 years later, we yeah. haven't seen an African team in final. Yeah. Have we seen semi-final? I mean, World Cup semi-final, I, I, th- I mean, we have Asian, Korea, Rich. Yeah. I think we don't even have an African semi-final. Or have we in recent times? I can't, re- I can't really recall on my head. Quarter-final was Ghana. In uh, quarter-final yeah. many times. Yeah. They, they are better than this, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. football predictions. Yes. Okay. So I'm surprised no Liverpool prediction. <laughs> Don't <laughs> jinx the team. Uh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Simon Poon. Prediction, more young sports person arise, particularly in the few sports that I'm interested in, like badminton, mm. tennis, and also Formula One. Yeah. Oh, you like Formula One too? <laughs> yeah. Oh, these are huge F1 fans. I'm a huge oh, wow. Formula One fan actually since Alan Pros- Professor time. That was... Before you were born, Before I, I was born. <laughs> Do you like Initial D? <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> That's not F1, man. That's downhill. <laughs> I feel that the young people, they actually create a lot of excitement in sports. Probably they are more energetic and more skills. The way they, they do it would be a bit unpredictable. And that's where it makes the sports more interesting. So yeah. that's your hope, right? Yes. What right. about your prediction? Prediction. I predict two things. First is the tennis. Djokovic will be able to compete the remaining three Grand Slams for 2022. So I will not say he will win the three. Let's put it this way. May the best player wins. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Really. Another one, of course, for football. I'm looking forward to see Tottenham Hotspurs to play in Champions League for next season. <laughs> yeah. Long-suffering fan. <laughs> Uh, now, Simon, that's a prediction or that's a hope? <laughs> that's, it, it, that's a prediction. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. So Spurs and Arsenal, neck to neck, okay? <laughs> I was just talking to Jared, you know, another of our mutual friends. I mean, sort of leaning towards Arsenal, but not like a super fan. Not, not like you and Spurs, okay? Okay, so, so for me, my prediction, I think it's going to be a tennis prediction. I, I, I feel Djokovic will win US Open. And maybe Wimbledon also because he's so refreshed when he's fit. I don't think there's anyone who can touch him. That's just the level he is at the moment. You know, with all the technology, players are playing into 34, 35. I mean, LeBron, 37 is Oh, yeah, crazy. 19 years in the league. And he's like averaging 30.2. Yeah. That's crazy, you know. I, I mean, I'm just a bit... I mean, I'm not a big fan but I'm just surprised by the kind of criticism that is leveled against him. Now, of course, he had a super team and they failed to qualify. Yeah. But if they failed to qualify, it would not be his fault, you know? 
Right, but then he... I mean, it, it was his fault to assemble the yeah. team. I mean, I'm talking about purely from playing point of right, view. Right, right, right. Yeah. But he, he did get Rasbrook, you know, he did sign all the role player, which made them yeah, uh, yeah. winning team. Yeah. I, I guess he has to be responsible for that. Yeah, yeah. It's quite sad, actually. Yeah. The GM, the going right. Yeah, the yeah, GM. <laughs> well, my, my hope, uh, no, not AC Milan is leading, but I, I objectively, if you ask me, I, I feel like Napoli or Inter Milan are stronger, objectively. And because Milan is just a much younger team, so, so I put that in a hope category, even though a lot of people will be like, it's definitely within the realm of possibility, you know. It, it, it's more likely than some of the hope that we, we have just discussed. Mm. But, but that would be my hope. And you know, some of us, we, we, have, we supported teams that don't perform well for 10 years. And, and that's the thing, right? You, you can be down for 10 years and all of a sudden, I mean, Liverpool just... You know, for the longest time, I mean, my father-in-law side, the entire family was, they, they are Liverpool fans and, you know, so I, I know how fanatical they can be. And so, so now they are on the rise and Milan was on, on the down for a while, Spurs on the rise. So, yeah, so we all have certain things we can look forward to. Yeah. All right, guys, so just like that, it's more than one hour. It has been fun talking to you all and... Yeah. Yeah, we, we should do this every now and then. And maybe next time, let's talk more about sports, okay? Yeah, <laughs> likewise. Yeah. All right. So that's it for now. And bye-bye. See you next time. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye.